How y'all doing? I'm glad to see you today. <clears throat> uh, thanks to Dr. Moon and uh, the, the rest of the team who put this all together. I'm honored to be here. Of course, my kids tell me now, Dad, that you're old. You better be glad to be anywhere. So I am glad to be here. <laughs> glad to see you this morning. I'm going to share a few thoughts with you that I hope can be practical to you. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about faith and how that plays out in our lives. Uh, because I believe that the world is waiting to see <clears throat> a person who would so believe and trust in God that God himself could invade that person's life and through that invasion of him or her could change the society in which they live. I think that's the testimony and record of the scripture. Um, I want to begin by saying that um, faith is not getting a good idea and praying hard enough and long enough that God might relent and do your good idea. That's not faith. That's presumption. You're presuming on God. Now, if that is not faith, then what is faith? It seems like faith is almost a mystical, magical conversation that we have, but nobody really knows what it is. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. It also says we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Would you not agree with me this morning that most of us have been trained all too well and how to walk by sight. We know how to get our plans and dreams and put it on paper and put it into practice, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. How many times does God have to do it to get it right? Only one. But we choose to play the game of trying to find or discover the will of God which the will of God is never discovered, the will of God is always revealed. God reveals His will. Now, let me tell you my idea of faith. We're back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? Is it up on the screen here? Can we stick it up there? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Uh, now, this may not be um, theologically correct, but hermeneutically correct. You get me, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. See the little word substance? I know that can be translated in the Greek confidence or whatever, but let me give you my take. I work in eastern Kentucky. How many of you know where Lynch, Kentucky is? Well, we got a few. I'm glad God knows. <laughs> it's okay over there in Lynch. But I asked this young man one time, when you think of the word substance, what do you think about? Loaded question for a teenager, isn't it? So he sat down on the curb, thought about that for a while, and after a while he stood up and said, well, I, when I think about substance, I just think about stuff. I said, you know, that's probably the greatest definition of substance I've ever heard. Because faith is the stuff. It's the content of. It's the makeup of. It's the essence of your life as a believer according to the Word. Faith is to be the stuff we're made of, isn't it? 
And then, let's go on. And then it says, um, faith is the stuff of things hoped for. Now, I take that word a little differently than most people, but you may use it like this. Let's just say, for example, you came up to me and said, Brother Lonnie, I'm not feeling too well today. I might respond to you like this. Well, I'm sorry you're not feeling well. I hope you feel better tomorrow. Ever use that word like that? You know what you're saying? I don't have a clue whether you will or not. But I just hope everything works out all right. Am I right? Now, we use that same term and bring it into our faith life. We don't have a clue what's going to happen, but we just hope everything works out all right. When Paul said we have one hope of his calling, he was not guessing about the calling of God. Was he? There was a confidence or assurance in that. Now, let me give you the Lonnie Riley translation of this, if I may. Faith is the stuff that you're already convinced about concerning God, and then it becomes reality for everyone else to see. That, that's a whole lot a different definition of faith than I've been accustomed to. And I hope it, it is for you. Because uh, can you think of anything in the Bible? Now hear this close. This is important. Can you think of anything in the Bible that God did that he didn't first tell somebody what he was going to do before he did it? I know it's a big book. We got little minds, and sometimes it's hard to get through that in a short period of time. I can't think of a single thing. I remember saying this to one group, and a pastor raised his hand and said, well, what about creation? I said, great question. But my Bible says, let us create man in our image. Somebody was around. God was always telling somebody what he was going to do before he did it. Now watch. When God told him what he was going to do, the person believed God and God did it. That's faith. It's not leaping into the dark. No, it's leaping into the light because you know what God's going to do before he does it. That's what he says. How long has it been since God told you what he was about to do? Maybe you need to go back and say, Lord... We need to walk by faith and not by sight. I believe that man is created in the image of God. Therefore, he is a threefold being. He is body, soul, and spirit. Body's what you see. The soul is your senses or whatever it may be. But the spirit is the part of you that's most godlike. Now, y'all with me so far? Nobody's asleep yet, are you? I'm going to get to the practical point in just a moment. And, uh, but we have been taught all of our life how to relate to our world from our senses and our body. You see, what you see, what you hear, what you feel, it dictates how you relate to your world. Am I right so far? But then the Bible says when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, don't be surprised that I say to you, you got to be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot do what? See, that's the word. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Isn't it amazing that without the Spirit of God, nobody can see what God wants. But 
When you are born again of the Spirit of God, in John 3, verse 5, it says, He that is born of the water and of the Spirit can now enter the kingdom of God. You can actually get in on it. Do you understand? You can get in on the stuff God's doing. Man, I, I was a preacher for 20 years before I understood that. You can actually get in on stuff God's doing. And it will be amazing what he will tell you, and then you just follow God. Now, um, my wife and I were in Mississippi. i got to bring you up to date a little bit. And we were pastoring a rather large church in Mississippi, and God called us back to Lynch, Kentucky. At that time, <clears throat> it was the fifth poorest county in America. Um, at that same time, the county from which we moved was the fifth fastest growing county in America. It was affluence everywhere there. And uh, the church was a very affluent church. Uh, they bought my wife and I our dream home. My wife is right over here, by the way. Wave at them, hon, so they can see you. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we're newlyweds. We've just been married 46 years. <laughs> so we're still working on it. <laughs> Still working on it. But they bought us our dream home. They bought us a five-bedroom, three-bath, Tudor State executive home right near a 40-acre lake. And the guy in the church said, now you can't live near a lake and not have a boat, so he gave me a new bass boat. We had Cadillacs, whatever we wanted, we had. By the way, that church now has a pastor, so forget it. <laughs> um, so we thought we'd settle down and retire, and my mother-in-law, Belinda's mother, lived with us for the last seven years of her life, passed away in our home in Mississippi, and uh, we took her back to Lynch, Kentucky, where my wife grew up. Uh, I'm a Hazard boy. I'm not a Duke boy, for those of you who remember. Um, but anyway, uh, we took her back to bury her there beside her husband. And while we were there, several people came by and said, You're a preacher, aren't you? I said, I sure am. They said, We need somebody to come to the mountains and help us here. I said, Man, uh, my response is like most uh, pastors respond. Man, you sure do need help. <laughs> and I'll what? What? I'll pray for you. Don't y'all say that? Y'all need help, but I'll pray for you. You know what you really said? I don't really intend to help you much, but I'm going to pray for you. And I thought, I'm going to get on back. Now, don't look at me pie. Surely I'm not the only guy that says that. <laughs> so I, I thought, I'm going back down to Mississippi and uh, enjoy all the good stuff God's given us. And so on the way back, God spoke to my wife and I at the same time. said, Lonnie, that's where I want your life to be. Now, I do not do things on a whim. I am not impulsive. And so as I, we went before the Lord, I said, Lord, you need to tell me what it is you want. You know, when we pray, we pray all the time for what we want instead of what God wants. Well, let God tell us what he wants. That'll settle what we do. And so uh, as I was reading through the scripture, the Lord brought me through to Isaiah 41, verse 17 and following. And here's what it says. Now, you got to understand, I'm praying about going back to Lynch, Kentucky, the poverty town from an affluent society. And the Lord said to me, the poor and the needy are thirsty, and there is no water for them to drink. But I, the God of heaven, have heard them, and I will make a river to flow from the mountains so that all men will know that God has done this thing. You see, it's not about Lonnie and Belinda. It's not about you. It's about the king and his kingdom. And we need to understand that. 
And based on what God said to me, I already knew what God was going to do in Lynch, Kentucky. I didn't know how he was going to do it, but I knew he was going to do something great. And I stand here in seminary chapel today, not because I'm a great preacher, not because I'm a great missionary, but because God is always faithful to do every time everything he says. He will always do that. God will never lie. God will never fail. If he lies or fails, he will fail to be God. And he will not do it for you. And so we moved back to Lynch, Kentucky. No promise of a job. No income. And, uh, but all we had is what God said. You remember what I said? Faith is God tells you what he wants. You believe God. And what's the other part? God does it. And so we moved back to Lynch, Kentucky. We began our prayer, morning prayer, with a blank piece of paper on the table. I know this is not the norm, so it may be a little out of character of where you are. Uh, we laid a blank piece of paper on the table. We said, Lord, here's our strategy. We don't have a clue what you want, but you do. And we want you to know that whatever you write on this blank piece of paper is already yes. We're not going to question you. We're not going to doubt you. We're not going to try to even figure out how to get it done. We're just going to trust you. And for 17 years, God has been writing on that paper. And our entire life has been playing catch-up with what God writes. We don't have a strategy for this year. Our strategy is... Follow God. Follow God. We trust Him, and we trust Him to do all things well. And so we saw the needs in our community. Faith sometimes starts small. So don't look for the grandiose picture. Be faithful in the few. Be faithful in the little. Uh, the block we lived on when we moved back to town had 13 empty homes. And everybody was moving out of Lynch. They're all full now. So people are moving back into Lynch. And they had hedges growing up. I got to tell this. And I'm a doer. So I go down to Walmart and I bought me a set of hedge clippers, $24.99. I got a 100-foot extension cord and I just went up and down the street trimming everybody's hedges. I didn't ask permission. I didn't knock to see if anybody was home. I figured God sent me here to help. Town looks rough. Least I can do is help. So I'm trimming hedges. And... Uh, Sitting out in the backyard resting, this guy comes up and said, somebody told me you as a preacher and might be able to help me. I said, well, if I can, I will. He said, I need $75. My family needs some food, and uh, I need a part from my old car. I got a job and can't even get to work. And uh, I said, man, I don't have $75. But I tell you what, if God gives me $75, I'll let you have it. Pretty good deal, isn't it? So he left, thought, this is a preacher thing. He'll, I'll never hear from him again. And I didn't know if he would or not. Uh, I'm just leaving this up to God. I'm trusting him, right? So my wife and I, two days later, out in the backyard working on an old door, this lady pulls up in a Jeep from Ohio. She gets out, comes up, crossed her arms, said, I came to pay my bill. I said, well, ma'am, you don't know me, Bill, as I know of. I've never seen you before in my life. I don't have a clue who you are. She said, aren't you the guy going up and down the street trimming everybody's hedges? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm doing that because God sent me here, not because I need any money. She said, I own the old empty house two doors up from you. Always pay to have my hedges clipped. You did a good job, and I'm going to pay you. She pulled out a $100 bill and laid it on that door. She said, now, if you don't pick up that $100 bill, it's going to lay there. 
Now, you don't say that to a broke preacher in eastern Kentucky. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm going down to western Sizzling tonight to get me a steak. That's the best we could do in Harding County, and that was 40 miles away. So uh, as I was going in the door, God said, now, wait a minute, Lonnie. You told that boy if I gave you $75, you'd give it to him. I just gave you $75. I said, Lord, you're right. So I go in, I can't tell you how that changed my life. I went in and sat down and called that unsuspecting young man on the other end. I said, man, I want you to know that God has been good to you. He said, what do you mean? I said, uh, I told you the other day that if God gave me $75, I'd give it to you. God just gave me $75. So come on down and pick it up. And you'll know tonight when your family sits down to a nice warm meal for the first time in a long time and the needs of your family have been met, you'll know that the Lord Jesus has been exceptionally good to you. As I was going out the door, it's like God touched me on the shoulder and spoke to me audibly. I mean, it was clear in that. He said, Lonnie, I just wanted you to know, boy, not only did I give that boy that $75, but I just paid you back your $24.99 hedge clippers all in one shot. <laughs> Isn't that just like God? I mean, he knows how to do this stuff. But sometimes we want to do it for him so we can get the credit. Now, somebody say amen right there, will you? I mean, we want to do this, and we want to get credit for it, but my wife and I chose whatever God does, He does, and we're just going to tell everybody what God does. And I, that's what I'm here to tell you about today. Whatever God puts on your heart, God, you know Deuteronomy teaches, i got a lot to say in a short time to say it. Deuteronomy teaches that the will of God is not off in heaven, that somebody should say, who will go to it, who will go and bring it down to me that I might hear it and do it. Neither does it across the sea that I should say to someone who will go and bring it to me that I might hear it and do it. But he said, the will of God is in your heart and in your mouth that you may do it. Sir, lady, God has put his will right in here. It's not out there. It's not in Lynch. It's right here. And when you see what God has put in your heart, it is amazing what he will do. It will free you to become that which God has designed you for. And man, that's what we want for every student, every professor, Every person is to just become what God intended for you to be. Now, I'm going to give you several examples because now you go back. In my mind, I said, the Lord is going to make a river to throw from the mountains. I don't know how, but I'm going to trust him to do that. Started out with hedge clippers. And then we started building things. Uh, we started building things for people, and we were going to build a bathhouse. So I go to every lumber company in Harding County. I said, my name is Lonnie Riley. And um, I'm a missionary, and I'm here to help folks rebuild their homes and lives in Jesus' name. I want to start an account with you. I want to get some material, but I want you to know up front, I don't have any money. But I promise you, when God gives me the money, I'll pay you for whatever I get. Everybody laughed at me, except one crew. I went down the next day after we, he approved it. Went down the next day and ordered $15,000 worth of material. And uh, we were going to build a shower house so all of our volunteers could take a shower. <laughs> be a good thing. And uh, so uh, this guy calls me up and said, now you're going to pay me for that material, aren't you? I said, I told you when God gives me the money, I'll pay you. So we had a group from Georgia came up. They were going to help us build this shower house. And the leader of the group came up to me and said, our pastor was very concerned about the missions here in Lynch and said uh, he took up a, an offering in church and he asked me to bring you the offering and he gave me a check for $15,000. It was absolutely incredible. I go down and pay off the lumber company. They call me sir when I walk in there now. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Uh, God has a way of doing this. See, it doesn't matter if it's 
a hedge clipper or $75, or if it's $15,000, it's okay with God. He knows how to do this thing if we let him do it. Um, this lady gave us a parking lot, just out of the blue, gave us a parking lot. And the Lord laid it on our heart at that time that we need to put a coffee shop in town. And uh, I didn't know how to do coffee shops. I'm, not a, I'm a coffee connoisseur. I love coffee. But I didn't know how to do this. I'm not an entrepreneur. Uh, maybe I am now, but I wasn't in. I didn't know what to do. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I, you're going to have to teach me how to do this. Now, I want you to hear this closely. Fourteen years later, fourteen years later, they gave us a building, gave it to us. And they said, what will you do with this building? I said, I'll put a coffee shop in here. You know why? Because if God puts it in your heart, you won't ever forget it. And I suspect that there's some sitting right here this morning, God's put something in your heart and you thought it could never be. But I'm here to tell you, with God, anything is possible. You don't have to slight yourself in that. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> we started putting this little coffee shop together. This guy comes from Missouri. And he looks around and uh, asks him what his children did. Don't know why I asked him that time, but unless the Lord told me to. And he said, well, uh, one of my sons is a barista. I thought, whoa, is that a guy that works with coffee? <laughs> said, yeah, he uh, owns Honolulu Coffee Company. He just opened 20 coffee shops in Hong Kong. This guy has 500 employees, and that's all he does is coffee. I said, man, I got to show you something. Took him down and showed him the coffee shop, and uh, long story short is that young man now roasts our special blend, makes all of our bags, prints all of our bags, and uh, now we have coffee in six venues. Five states are now wanting our coffee shop in their state, and it, it will gross three, six digits this year in that little coffee shop in a poverty town. And every time somebody comes in that coffee shop, they're going to get prayer. They're going to hear about Jesus because we are unapologetically Christian. But you see, it's taking something that God put in your heart, knowing that God's going to do it, and just watching Him show up to provide you what you cannot provide for yourself. That's what makes Him God. I'll tell you one more thing, and I'm through. I have many of these to tell you. I hope you come to the question-answer time. That's going to be following, I think. But this guy comes to me, and he, he was in tears. And he said, the Lord's calling me to ministry. Well, two things I want to know if you tell me that. Number one is, what is it you do? He said, oh, I'm a shrimper off the coast of Hilton Head. My grandfather was a shrimper. My dad was a shrimper. And ga dad gave me these two uh, shrimp boats, and what I do is catch shrimp. I said, man, I I'm so glad to meet you because I've never really met a real-life Forrest Gump before. <laughs> Second thing I ask him is, what has God put in your heart? Remember what I said to you? The will of God's right here. It's not out there. God will tell you his will. And he began to cry. He said, two years ago after I went to church, went out to lunch, I went down to check on my boats as I always do. And I looked out over the ocean, and I saw all these sailboats. And God spoke to me that day and said, I want you to get a sailboat. And on Sunday afternoon, instead of watching football or taking a nap, I want you to go out there on that ocean and tell folks about me. So he went to his pastor and said, Pastor, let me tell you what God said. And the pastor said, I'm so sorry. 
but we don't have any money. Went to his director of mission, said the same thing. Sorry, we don't have any money. I got a question to ask you. Is God ever behind in his budget? No. God's always on time. He knows every provision you need. And so I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray with you because I believe if God put it in your heart, it will be reality or else you wouldn't remember it and weep two years down the road after God told you. You'll forget it if it isn't God. But if it's God, you can't forget it. So I prayed. He went on his way. Two weeks later, I get a call from Knoxville, Tennessee. This friend of mine says, Lonnie, I know you're going to think this is a strange request. I know there's no water up there in Lynch, but you wouldn't have to need a sailboat, would you? Now, I'm telling you, you're thinking this is a preacher joke. This is the truth. Um, I said, no, I don't need a sailboat, but I know just the guy who does. He brought me a 24-foot catamaran. I didn't even know what a catamaran was. This thing is long. It's got a 20-foot mast on it on a trailer. That was a sight to see in Lynch, a big, tw- big sailboat, no water. I called this guy up in South Carolina. I said, man, I want you to know that God's been good to you. Uh, so come on up and pick up this sailboat. And there was silence on the other end. He said, now, you know, Brother Lonnie, uh, I don't have any money. I said, oh, you don't need money with this. God's given you this. You can come and buy without money. And uh, now somewhere off the coast of Hilton Head, there is the first ever sailboat church because one guy believed God could really do this thing. Faith is what God says to you. Did you believe God? And God does it. We're now starting a mushroom growing facility. And they want 300,000 pounds of mushrooms. Now we've got to create 20 mushroom facilities. And our agribusiness guy has brought a plan that will, uh, over the period of next seven years, add $58 million to our economy. Can God do that? My God can do anything. That's what makes him God, isn't it? So we just trust God and believe God and still following him. Maybe this morning... My time's gone. Maybe this morning God has touched your heart with something that he's put in you a long time ago and you've forgotten. And God's refreshed your memory on that today. I'm going to, if I may ask our band to come, and I'm going to ask you if you would like to come to this altar and pray. uh, The only thing about an altar is it's a place of sacrifice. That's what the altar is. And so the reason I ask people to come, I'm not counting heads today. But I think God's counting hearts. What he wants you to do is to present yourself, as Romans would say, a living sacrifice. Lord, here I am. I'm just on your altar. Teach me how to live by faith. Teach me how to walk by faith and not by sight. Maybe you've been doing that. Praise the Lord. But if you haven't, begin your journey today and let God so work in your life that not only will you be changed, but every part of your society will be changed wherever you go in this world. Okay, let me pray with you, and then they'll sing. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. And after I pray, <clears throat> you just come, and, uh, and you pray as God gives you leadership. Father, thank you for the simplicity of your word. You say without faith it's impossible to please you. So, Lord, I pray that you might take the faith that you have placed in us and may it become a living reality for all to see is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you come.